Welcome to Partner Ops Partner. I'm your host, Aaron Howerton, and this week is week two in my new year, new format model. Last week, I got to talk with Kenny Brown, and I actually spoke to Kenny, honestly, like weeks and weeks ago, and finally were able to get that published. And this week, I have one of my favorite new people in my life here. Kim Stagg is joining me. Welcome, Kim. How are you today? Hey, Aaron. I'm doing pretty well. Excited to be Fantastic. here. Folks, I'll say this. Kim, I don't think has ever done a podcast. I've I'm not sure, Kim, have you ever been interviewed by anybody about your life? Yes, but probably not in decades. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we're dusting off some old skills for Kim. Folks, one of the things that you hear me talk about in the operational side is that ops people tend to be head down, get the work done, stay quiet, push through it kind of people. So Kim is kind enough to come on the podcast to me today and kind of get out of her normal comfort zone for a couple reasons. One is that if you've been paying attention, you know that I have invited Kim and she's been kind enough to join me at Partner Ops Partner as a co-founder while we work on whatever it means to try to structure some sort of community assets for Partner Ops people and Channel Ops people. And that's kind of how we met. So Kim, before I keep rambling, tell me, Kim, you're Kim Stagg, glad, glad you're here. I know your history. Tell for the listening audience here and the people who might end up watching this, what's your current role? What's your focus? What do you do? How'd you get there? Sure. I am currently a senior channel business process analyst at Atlassian. Familiar. Yeah. And I'm going to skip to the, how did I get here? Because this guy I know learned about what I liked and was like, Hey, I think there's a job available for you because I'm just leaving it. He sounds and like a nice guy. Yeah. He's pretty great. He's a new friend of mine. So actually, Aaron, when you left, you dropped my name for the hiring managers and I applied at Atlassian and was able to jump on board. And I've been there. Today's day 31. Day 30. Hey, congrats. That's exciting. We got, is yeah. that like official month or would it be, I don't know. We'll call it a month because it's either 30 or 31 and we're halfway through January. Yeah. By any stretch, by any definition, it's a, it's a full month. So congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So what Kim is alluding to listeners is that I left Atlassian several months ago. And if you're paying attention, I've talked extensively about that. And I left Kim's resume behind. But this is kind of how, so the partner ops partner thing, the the job board, right? I think that's how we got connected. I actually don't remember how we got connected. I know oh, maybe I, I think you messaged me or we got connected. Do you remember any of the details? Because I don't fully. Yes. I got this random message on LinkedIn that said, hey, you're in partner operations. Why don't we know each other? question mark, space. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> oh, was that me? Okay. I found you that way. Okay. Good deal. Um, I can't keep up anymore. We were commenting on the same things and obviously I was looking for a role. So I found yeah. the board and started following you because you posted jobs all the time. And <laughs> Yeah. At that point. You must've noticed me. Uh, okay, good deal. I see. I couldn't remember if I go back and trace like I and you know this, I talked to way too many people mm -hmm. all the time. And part of why I think we did connect was I did see you out there. And anytime I see partner ops or channel ops people, I'm like chasing them down to be in my network because I have been doing this kind of work for off and on and around for like five years. And it's just been hard to find people. But over the last year, something has changed. And now everybody's coming up out of the woodworks. Right. You mentioned like you've been looking for work. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is twofold. One, I want to introduce our community to you so they can see who you are and you know me. And I'm I'm the louder version of the team, right? Like they will probably see me talk more and do more. And Kim's going to be working with me kind of hand in hand. So that was one thing. I just wanted people that are listening, whoever they are, the eight to 10, and then all the ops people that may do look at the board. 
Mm-hmm. Just want to know who you are. But also, you've been on this same journey and a journey that I think like literally thousands of people have been on for the past year up until the last 31 days. So celebrating 31 days at Atlassian, that's no small deal for you, right? It's, you know, every day I wake up and it's exciting and I wonder what I'm going to learn and I'm bringing a lot of information, like a lot of, a lot of background after working with specifically channel partners for almost 20 years, but then, you know, part in partnerships in general for the last few, I'm bringing that with me to the team. And it's very exciting to see one to work on a team that is so team oriented mm-hmm. and to see who's good at what and how everybody collaborates. And that's exciting. I have been a bit of a lone wolf in a lot of places. So this is I know that feeling. Yeah, this is just a it's a new experience for me. I'm still getting used to it. It's not just asking for help because I'm new. It's asking for help because this person is really good at this. And you know, at two weeks in, it's being asked for help. And that blew my mind. So it's it's what twenty years. You said did I hear that right? You said nearly twenty years of working yeah. with channel partners. Has that always been operational work? No, not even close. You want the talk the, about that journey a little bit. Overview. Yeah. yeah. So I started off working in distribution, so inherently channel. And I worked at yeah. what was then Tech Data, is now TD Cinex, for ten years. When I, I lived in Florida, I worked in Clearwater, and I started off in mid-market sales, just VAR sales. And I was like, okay, what's a VAR? I, I didn't know anything. Gotcha. <laughs> and, but I was, I was young. For and most was, people getting into partnerships or channel, right? By the way, let's say that's the, yeah. that's a very common thread. Like how'd you get into channel? Dumb luck. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So you started out in VAR. Were you managing the VARs then? So you were like a partner manager working with VARs. What did that look I like? At that was a, I was a sales rep was my title. So I did have, like, I had 30 VARs that were my, mine and my teammates' accounts, and I sold to them. And then 2008 happened, and I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, quick question. I want to highlight something, though. When we talk about, like, channel ops history, I try to tell people, like, channel ops, partner ops has a background in channel ops, which has a background in marketing ops. But mm-hmm. I try to highlight that when I, the reason I distinguish between channel and partner ops is because channel has been around for a long time. To your point, you were in direct sales selling to VARs uh-huh. and they would then go resell however they needed to because it's that distribution model where once you get it to the VAR, what they do is up to them. They have their pricing and all that. You're right. Like, so I think that's an interesting distinction because you've been doing this long enough to have worked in that model mm-hmm. to see the difference in how that works between like what you're going to do at Atlassian, which is supporting channel sales from a mm-hmm. channel ops perspective. So I just want to call that out. You got there through 2008, financial crisis happened. Did you get laid off then too? Or did you just I make did, a pivot? I you were like, get this laid off, but it's really hard to survive on a base salary the way they were structured back then. So yeah. I, after, you know, I had a, an undergraduate degree in English. I wanted to be a writer. So I moved over to our agency team and I did creative business writing, doing, you know, weekly web things, ads, elevator clings, digital signage. I wrote for the kind of the copy slash marketing type work. Yes. But also still channel. Right. Still my audience was VARs. Typically my, my audience was resellers as a whole, not just VARs. Okay. And I did a lot of interviewing. I, that's when I started to specialize a little bit more in SMB 
just by nature of the projects I was on. But I found out after working a little bit in sales, uh, sitting in a cubicle by myself, just writing wasn't really speaking to me anymore. So still within tech data, I moved back to the product marketing side where instead of going into what people know as product marketing, I was a vendor specific sales rep. So instead of having 30 VARs that I sold everything to, I had Mm -hmm. all of the customers, all of the, all of the resellers that tech data had, but I only sold VMware. And that was in 2010 when huge exploding buying everything. And it was a really exciting point in my career to be a part of that team. It started off as a team of four. And I think now it's like, I don't know, 20 something. Yeah. These are big. It's like a big name. Yeah. Big name to have in the, in the back there. Okay. So you did product marketing for a while. When did you get to operations? When did you, like how many more roles was it till you were like, I know what, let's try this ops thing. One, there was one more role between there and there was no non-ops work. Let's be very clear. (laughs) It's very fascinating. But anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, uh, It wasn't like, Hey, let me try this ops thing. I know like you talk a lot about people get into ops because they're like, I'll help you know, and they raise their hand. And that was not me mm-hmm. at all. I was working at a small, I, I left and became a channel account manager for a small company okay. in Michigan, like 250 uh, employees. And when I started, there was a channel team of maybe 10 worldwide. Mm-hmm. And then by 2019, which is where I'm going to start this story, I was the last channel person at that company that had channel in the um, title. They were still people working with partners and they were other partnership things, but I was the only channel person. And I went to my VP, we had lunch one day and I was like, there are some things that some problems we have. These are easily solvable, but we don't have anybody to solve them. Do you even know that like our reporting is a problem? And you know, cause sometimes. Yeah. You're calling out the challenges cause you're in the cam seat at that point, right? You're managing account, working directly with partners and you're yes. seeing those issues and they're blocking you from being successful, I assume, right? Exactly. And I was managing distribution yeah. and resellers. So I was very deep in the two tier model of channel. And he, he sat back, he kind of scratched his chin for a minute and he went, well, do you want to be the person that does that? And I was like, yes, because I was kind of doing it anyway, because I was having to get by. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to make you a channel operations manager, but will you please still manage our distribution accounts in North America? And I was like, sure, because I loved them. I loved my partners. You know, that was a big, fun part of the job. Yeah. I was, you know, I went, I ended up moving to the sales operation team that was created at the same time as I got that job. There was no sales operations before that as a team. And then I had this, this title of channel strategy and operations and acting distribution account manager. And Perfect. probably uh, it sounds like you probably got a big giant raise and, and, yeah, it sounds and all those like things. That, yeah. but I went no, from a no, commissioned okay. job to a non-commissioned job to a straight job. Yeah. Straight yeah. pay. You know, it's interesting though, because I, my journey into ops was actually similar because you, you kind of did, I mean, you didn't go say, you just said, Hey, we have these problems. And they said, well, mm-hmm. do you want to fix it? That's, that's, that's kind of what I did too. Yeah. I got off a call with a VP who had just initiated, he talked about all these big initiatives, four or five major projects. And I just called him like right after the call, I was like, Hey, who's running all those projects? And he said, what do you mean? I said, you've got 
you just highlighted like five major initiatives for partners and partnerships for the next year. Who's running the projects? Well, and he named off like sales reps in different regions of the world that were apparently doing their sales cam work and managing major technical projects. And I was like, that seems kind of strange. Is it, are you, do you want to do it? And I was like, I, it's like, yeah, it had, I with this weird line of like, I didn't expect him to ask me immediately on the call, but I just said, yes, as long as if it doesn't work out, I can still do the job I have now too. Cause I was doing channel enablement, right? I was concerned, but that's exactly how I got into it as well. So that was 2019. So after how many years overall then have that been working into mm. this? Six, thirty. That was about 15. That was about five years ago. That's about right. So about, okay. I've been okay. working with general partners for 15 years at that point. And what I, as I've learned more about operations and what it is, I was like, oh, I've been doing this my entire career. My first yeah. job uh-huh. that I mentioned, I went in and I revamped how every single team in the division managed their email box to be more efficient. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this forever. You have, now I, see, that's another thing I tell people. Whenever people yeah. say, oh, I don't think about partner ops. I'm like, have you been a PAM? How long have you been a PAM or a CAM or done any sort of program management? If you've done yeah. it without an ops person, you are the ops person. Like it's that that's an extension of everything. So I love that you just validated what I like to be right. Have you noticed that in our conversations? I really I, love I, to be right. Well, you're great <laughs> in that you when you're not. And I appreciate that. I pretend that I'm not. Is that what you said? When you're not right, you do admit it. You don't hide it. So that's good. Oh yeah. No, I have no arrogance. I'm mostly sarcastic. By the way, listener, Kim and I talk pretty frequently in case you can't tell. So this is less of an interview and more of a hangout sesh where I get to ask her these annoying questions I've been wanting to ask her. Okay. So 2019, you get into channel operations. That's a pretty good time for tech, right? 2019, 2020, 2021. These are not, uh, well, 2020, we all know 2020. 2019 is not terrible, right? You get in at what, early 2019, late 2019. Where are we at in terms of pandemic? January 1st was when I started in that position. Yes. So gotcha. it was okay. So like, but it was, okay. there wasn't a lot of what I would call standard operational things just yet. It was a lot of sure. really just processes, not business, not like there was no analysis. There was like, here's how you fill this in and here's how you yeah. do this. Efficiently. They were just launching Salesforce, like I said, small company. So, but, you know, as I alluded to, they were moving away from a channel focus and more toward online orders. And while I loved that company, that, that didn't bode well for my career as a channel specialist at the time. I can see that. Yeah. In, in mid 2020, amidst everything. So I'd been working at home for a couple of months. I noticed one of my former VMware connections that I met when I worked on the VMware team at Tech Data was hiring for a channel operations manager at GitLab who was just about to launch a partner program. Brand. Yep. And so I started the interview process, got the job, and I was the very first channel operations hire. Like there was okay. the so many things I want to call out. Right yeah. now, I make sure we don't overshadow. Your first role in channel operations was seated beside sales operations people in a new team. Yes. Did you notice, and you mentioned like it's all like business process. I think that's an important distinction when you get into operations. People talk uh, like what I do. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this right. First of all, ADHD is kicking in. When you got onto the sales ops role, did you find your work like the work that you did overlapping a lot with the sales op work or was it very unique and distinct? There's a lot of overlap. 
Okay. In what ways? Can you think about some ways like territory management? You had to do that. Commission management, you were doing that. Deal cleanup, deal deal support, stuff like that. Uh, well, we were we were implementing Salesforce. And yeah. It was my first time ever working in Salesforce. If I did it now, I would have done everything different. But it was like, I was saying things like, hey, don't forget that you have to have a partner on here because the yeah. system that they were using prior to this, there was no room, like, we could not track partner orders. There was no place for uh -huh. a partner. We, we didn't capture any data. So I was the one saying, hey, make sure you at least have a field for this so we can report on it, please. Then it gets started. Yeah. And yeah. You, so you know firsthand. And being there, I'm willing to bet that is still paying dividends for them in terms of their where they're at, no matter how it was implemented, because that is something that usually doesn't show up until two to three, four years in. Right. And that's the fight that I've always had is like, oh, you're hiring me now because you want to do deal reg, but I can't even I can't even get your partner accounts out of your CRM because you're not even using it. So good for you being early stage at that one. But then you went, let's flip up to where we were. You went to GitLab. the next company, mm -hmm. GitLab, right? And there, that was mid 2020, which again, pandemic, everybody goes home, technology blows up, right? And so everything's going nuts because these companies aren't prepared for the scale that remote work is demanding. Mm -hmm. We're all paying for that now. Can you flip to that part of the journey? Because we're close to the end of like the time that I've committed you for today. And I want to make sure we get to this part of your journey because I think it's one, I know I can connect with it. Mm -hmm. Tell me what happened at GitLab and, and kind of what your journey was like from there. Well, I mentioned that I didn't start learning Salesforce until 2019. And that was only part of my yep. position. When I started at GitLab, Salesforce became my life. And I... I mean, I was under, my director at the time was, she. she's absolutely a brilliant human when it comes to being operationally minded. And she just, I don't know if there's anything she doesn't know. Shout out to Colleen Ferris. She's brilliant. But she was implementing partner stuff into the CRM. So we were building partner records. We were building what opportunities needed to look like and what fields were needed to report on. She was working a lot. And so I was helping a little bit in, um, all the different compensation models for sales and for channel. And what does that mean? And I know you talk a lot about that in some of your multiple podcasts, you know, like people aren't going to sell through the channel if you're going to knock them on their, on their pay. So yeah. like very much in the weeds in that. And because I was the first person, I was also working with our technology partners and I was also working with our cloud aggregators. And so that's where I started to dip into partner operations and about, a year and a half in, we changed to partner operations. It's from channel operations, um, the name mm. of the team. So I did a little bit there. And then those positions were eventually hired. And I kind of moved back over into working with resellers in a single end double, double tier, tier model. And I was the one that helped implement DealReg. We, we pulled Vartopia in and connected it with our uh, partner portal and Salesforce yep. and make sure all the things were integrated. And it was yeah. definitely a crash course in everything that's actual, what I would call actual operations now. And let me tell you, it was a struggle. I worked long hours and I was not always successful, but I never stopped learning. And yeah. after a couple of years in that role, I actually moved over to the role sat on the programs team, channel programs, but it was basically partner facing operations. So helping Ooh, okay. 
sure they can get into deal reg, making sure their systems were hooked up with ours, making sure they were getting their payments based on the program things. So up like partner facing operations. Yeah. Um, almost like a support, right? Like a partner support, but we yeah. all know that support is ultimately operations, right? You work in exactly. support long enough, you know, it's, it's really an operational role because you want to keep yeah. things moving forward. I love the distinction of all your different roles because that actually hits at things that you and I talk about a lot, but I will talk about it frequently online. If people mm -hmm. ask me about job descriptions for partner ops and you can go look on the job board, it's, it's really one of the reasons I started the job board. That was a very selfish endeavor. That was Eventually I was like, I could share this with other people, right? But initially it was like, I kept seeing these jobs that would say partner operations and the descriptions all over the map. Some of it was partner facing operations. I saw one that was like, you're gonna manage one giant partner, but it mm -hmm. wasn't a PAM, it was the operations aspect of working with that partner, which yeah. is almost like an SE. And then, but you've gone from channel into partner back to channel, You've mm -hmm. seen all that. So your career alone validates some of those journeys that I know are out there and talk to. Talk about, is this the company that you ended up getting laid off from eventually? Is this? Yes. We so into that? Okay. That, my team was called Partner Support. And yep. in on February 1st of 2023, they moved my team Partner Support over to back onto the operations team, which didn't even fall into the channel organization. So we were doing the same mm -hmm. thing ramping up we were about to be more than just and then two weeks after they moved us the whole team was let go in oh, a company-wide riff it, the whole team there was three of us <laughs> it and was, that was in 20 2022 2023 february of 23 23 okay 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 so now you're kind of catching up and this is the journey part that i think like Anyone listening to this that, I mean, almost everybody, I, I know just know so many people that have been experiencing a layoff. My first one was a little bit before you, right? Like I think that was, that was a big motivator for me to do all the stuff that I'm doing now is that layoff that I experienced from Sixth Sense. And it was at the back of all these tech companies. And my, my theory is very much they grew fast because the demand showed up and they weren't ready to scale and you have, you have to hire. It's your only option. Mm -hmm. And then it fell back down to what I would be normalized demand in a non-pandemic environment exactly and they didn't have they didn't have money right it, it, okay it makes total sense to me but it's impacted thousands and thousands of people and you're one of those so february 2023 yeah you got laid off what was that like i don't be personal right i don't want to throw the companies under the bus because it sounds like you've actually had a good company and good people yeah. i felt that way since my manager definitely like she was i could tell it was not none of this is comfortable for anybody. So I want to make sure we cover that. Like we're not, I'm yeah. not trying to like ask Kim to go deep and like throw the company. Like, there's no good way to handle this. Right. No, I'm wondering just from your personal perspective, the they, call. They did after. handle well. Like I knew good. for a year what management was doing to, to cut costs to like, so they didn't say, yeah. Hey, we're about to do this. But if you'd been paying attention to any, any management, you know, communications, you were like, eh, stuff's happening. So when I saw this happen, I was like, crap, but not surprised. Like shocked, but not okay. surprised. There you go. I was going to say, so shocked because, whoa, I did. That's how I was, right? I got the call and I was like, mm, I'm in an ops role. I'm your only ops person that does this. This is surprising, but I knew it was coming, right? And I've been working long enough. And I think that's the thing working with junior people when they're like really baffled. I'm like, guys, it's a, it's a business trend. Like one of the ways you get your CAC ratio in line is you lay off a bunch of people six months before your evaluation. Your numbers look pretty solid. Okay. So shocked, not surprised. Yeah. And you know, worth stating, I was scheduled to get married in September and we were planning a very, oh, 2023. 
Yes. So yeah, you know, six, seven months before the wedding, I was laid off. So over the next, I was unemployed for 10 months. We canceled the first wedding, second wedding, canceled the second wedding. And then oh, actually, how long did you wait to cancel? I mean, you had seven months until the wedding. How long did you go? Cause I'm assuming you got a little bit of severance. You had some minor buffer. Maybe, yeah. But- GitLab was wonderful. They, they rushed some of our stock so that well, I'm blanking on the word, but we got to keep a little bit more of our stock cause they, they rushed that for us. They vested you early, yeah. the early vest kind of thing. Early yeah. Vesting. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, we got, I think there was four months. And so I waited until I did it according to the contract with our venue (laughs) the day before I couldn't do that. We, we pulled, we pulled the plug and then we started planning it to be at our house and our house needed too many things happening. So I want to say probably end of July was when we canceled the second one. If that might've been August. And so this is like the, I can't talk about one without talking about the other. Cause I mean, a wedding yeah. and a job layoff, they kind of go hand in hand. And well, this goes back to, you don't live in a bubble, right? We're all people. That's right. the thing. I've always felt this way. I knew a guy who used to be able to go to work and leave in second. Like, I've never been able to segregate, right? If I have a bad morning at home, I carry it into work and try to recover if a bad day at work. I try to, yeah. you know, that's the worst part about being remote is I only have 15 steps into the house. Yeah. to drop the work baggage and like be mauled by my family. So, but yeah, no, it's, they're, they're indistinguishable for me too. So I appreciate you sharing that. So yeah. result of the layoff, you had to push your wedding twice. You guys did get married. Like you really pulled it off though, we, right? We did get, <laughs> our friends pulled it off. We canceled the second wedding. Literally uh, people, we had someone come over and say, no, we're not letting you do this. And our community threw us a wedding. It was beautiful and amazing. That and is beautiful. One of the reasons I, I love realize that I knew I say, I don't think we knew each other as well when that was happening. I do remember when you were like, Hey, I'll be gone for a few days because I was trying to get in touch with you. I think about something. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. I think that's people helping people. That's like the best of humanity, right? Like that's what we do. And I think that's what connected us too. Mm -hmm. It was a group of my wife's friends and a group of my friends Mm -hmm. that got together, met each other and threw like, we thought they were going to throw us like a barbecue. They threw us an actual wedding. So we already had the clothes. Cause we were planning a wedding. And so it, it turned out to be pretty great. And all of that was happening while I was working close to 40 hours a week looking for a job. And yeah. I stress. And cause you know, even if you'd make changes, four months of severance doesn't last 10 months. Um, thankfully. My works. So, you know, there we, we did have that, <laughs> you know, but yep. so there was a lot. You want, How many you want jobs did you apply for, do you think? Yeah, like let's get into it. So here's the deal, uh, listener. We're knocking on 30 minutes. I don't have a plan for these interviews. I'm enjoying the conversation. So we're going to keep chatting a little bit longer, and you can turn us off at any point. But let's get into some numbers. Over 10 months, how many jobs do you think you applied for? 197. That's pretty exact. Is that because you kept up with it, you know? Yeah, it's spreadsheet. <laughs> okay, wonderful, because you're an ops, clearly. I mean, I, I – I, I got a CRM, a dev instance of Salesforce and built a CRM to track my jobs and had a pipeline in the whole nine yards, right? So I get it. That's because um, you're- 197 jobs. <laughs> I already have the dev, I've had that dev instance for like 10 years now. 197 jobs, how many, how many of those did you get in the door for? I, that is the one number I don't have, but I will okay. say from- you know, my job was basically LinkedIn. That's what I did for 10 months. And my experience was slightly different in that I didn't have 
a super hard time getting in the door. I've spent 15 years. No, like I said, almost 20 years in the same industry. I knew a lot of people. I got recommendations left and right. I was able to get interviews. I will tell you, I went on 73 interviews in 10 months. And across all the jobs that you might have. Yes. Across all of the jobs. And for the first eight months, with the exception of one, which was a job outside of like what I've been doing. And I was like, this looks interesting. It was not in IT, similar role, yep. but different, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause eventually um, you're yeah. just looking outside for you're looking of, at everything yeah. outside of that. Every single job interview I went on, I made it to the last round. In fact, I got an offer and I counted it. It was two months in, I got an offer. I counted it because it was shockingly low. <laughs> Crazy low. Yeah. Um, we talked about they, that before. Yeah. They came back with another number. I said yes. And then they rescinded the offer. So did that yeah. role disappear? Do you know? Because I've seen that happen several times. No. The okay. Role didn't disappear. Not last I checked. I mean, which was okay. Probably a while ago. Okay. I'm not really sure what happened. I don't think it was about me. The conversation wasn't great, and I don't necessarily need to go into that. Yeah, that's fine. It's, I think that experience, though, I don't. I don't think this is unique. I'll say that, right? Like, I mm-hmm. I know lots of people that are. That's why I wanted to talk about the journey. I think this is reflective of what lots and lots and lots of people went through, right? And when mm-hmm. I met you, I remember when we met almost immediately. So I was already thinking. Atlassian just wasn't a great fit, right? Mostly like, I believe in like storytelling, right? And the story I wanted to tell, and we talked about this extensively before you even got in the door there, like the story that I really want to tell with my time wasn't one that I thought would be reflected at the company. And I I like the company. The team you're on is a a great team, lots of really great people around you. But for me, when I met you, I was just like, oh, I'm just a placeholder for her. Like, that's what I really felt was like, I think I found the person that should have this job. And I was kind of here just buffering the wheels for a little bit while we got that yeah. happening. And so I was really excited to meet you because it felt like a really natural fit. I'm always really excited to see you still, you'll still like it there. But you went for 10 months before you finally got into Alassian. And Alassian is no like, it's not like dog and pony show to get in, right? Like it's a, no. or maybe there is a dog and pony show. I don't know. It it wasn't like, oh, Aaron dropped off the resume. Let's bring her in the door, right? They still did their due diligence on you. Yeah, they did. And I was even already connected to the director who was either going to be or not going to be the hiring manager. It turns out there's an additional level in, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to change too. So I reached out on LinkedIn. I did the whole, you know, this is what you do. You reach out to the hiring manager and all of that. And, but she was very upfront right away and said, Hey, we we have to go through the proper channels. There's a lot of applications. This isn't going to be quick. Excited for that interview with you though. She was my last interview. There were seven of them and it was three months from, I'll say application. So it was maybe three months and a week or so from when you, no, it was two months to hire because I think there was like at least a month between when you left and when they opened the job. Um, Yes. Right. And I left it. I actually gave them your, I think probably the week before I left. Yeah. As soon as I knew I was exiting, I was like, Hey, two things to talk about today. I'm going to make an exit. And here's some paperwork for the person I think you should go after. Yeah, right. And that, But I can appreciate that about them too. I just think that I remember oh. being really excited that you landed. And now, especially now as we've gone through your history, 
much deeper than we have before, right? I didn't realize that you've been doing this for 20 years. When people say like, people make comments about, I tell them like, I may just be the loudest person in our space. I'm mm -hmm. definitely not the most experienced. I don't have anywhere near all the answers. I just have ideas that beat against the outside of my skull and need to get out. And I'm willing to talk about it, but I will point toward you. I'll point toward Kumal. Like there are, there are people that have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And the distinction that I think we're entering into, and you hinted toward this, is that channel ops for me is not partner ops. It's not the same thing. Having worked kind of with a foot in partner ops, but mostly in channel ops, yep. it's not the same thing. They're, all the programs are run differently. All of the options are different. The integrations are different. One of the things that I bring to the table as somebody in channel operation, specific operations is 20 years of knowing the partner. So I can mm -hmm. talk to people in a programs team. I can talk to a cam. I can talk to a partner and know what that landscape is like, but in with other operations, like on my team, I think I'm the one with the most specific channel experience, but there are people mm -hmm. who have much more operational experience than me and there's been a couple times we've been in the room together and like fireworks happen you know because it's one has one and one has the other and i mentioned that earlier it's it's really yeah. kind of fun to be a part of that and when i was dipping my toe in partner operations it was before i knew you and i kind of wish it wasn't because i was like this is crazy i don't think i want to do this and now i'm like <laughs> interesting and my role is channel at Atlassian, yep. but I'm able to, because it's a, such a large company and there's so much going on, I can watch and I can see what's happening with other partnerships. And so I can kind of like rely on what I know while I'm learning a lot, which is exactly what I wanted. Because if I had like, like at the level of my career, if I had just switched to partner operations, I'd probably be like freaking out. It'd be yeah. tough. It really would be tough, right? And I come in yeah. uh, and I got, I started with channel. Mm -hmm. That was where I started was channel, channel enablement and then channel operations. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, I think it's maybe my product background. I came in looking at operations, doing a PRM implementation. And I view all of the tech that goes into managing as a product itself. That's our internal product for sales product, right? And it could be Salesforce, Bovartopia, all this different tech stack. And I think about it holistically from a product perspective. And so when I sat down to do partner operations at M-Files, I was like, great, let's go talk to CS and find out how they're engaging with partners. And they were like, looking around like, really, you're you're here to help us with partnerships? I'm like, yeah, I'm partner ops, man. And so I, I made a role for myself, not realizing that it wasn't really a thing at that point. Yeah. Nobody at the company thought about that. And I eventually learned that that's not how the company orchestrated, right? So we had channel and channel sales, but operations didn't have that holistic view. And that's that's the thing I still run up against, right? If you look around at last end, you'll see some interesting structures about how they manage partners without saying too much about their internal stuff. But that's really common, right? But that's what I like about it. So if I say, I love working in partner ops and uh, you're working over in channel ops with an eye for what does it mean to be in the broader partner ops? And then I could point toward Barbara Trevino, a thoughtful, I'll have her on in a few weeks, hopefully. And Barbara really likes the Salesforce like she likes the RevOps side of partner operations, which is one of those veins. And this is why I think the opportunities for this industry are so huge. You're coming in with 20 years of experience in channel and you could bring 
like cam experience, you've managed partners, you've done distribution, you've done stuff that lots of people haven't done, which is hugely valuable. And if you bring that to bear on operations and the way you view partnerships, there's so much value in that, right? And the opportunities I think for us are going to be huge. But hitting on to something else that you hinted toward in one of your roles, right? One of the things that's happening in the industry for us right now is wage suppression. I believe that. And it's not, it's natural, right? I think during the pandemic, wages like went crazy. Yeah. And then they started to kind of fall back down. So did you feel when you were interviewing and looking for jobs, did you routinely look at wages and jobs and feel like that's not enough? Yes, it was, it was shocking. Like I wasn't looking strictly at operations jobs when I started. Mm. That was what I wanted, but I was also looking at programs and all the things I knew, I knew what to do. Yeah. And I had a company ask me to build them a partner program from scratch for $70,000. And I was like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, no, no, no. Can't do that. No. <laughs> like, because at that point it's, it's even less about how much, how much money do I get? It's, it's also about how much budget am I going to get to do this work? Like, it's indicative of everything else, right? From here, like it's not just draw it on a piece of paper, which I could do, but like it's not implementable. And if I don't have that oomph from the company, how is that even going to happen? And so, over the ten months, I there was, I applied for jobs probably had a hundred thousand dollars span. That's what I saw. I saw that a lot. They would, they would range from like 120, depending on a few director roles that would get over 200. There's two or three director roles I found last week and threw on the job board that don't even like, we're getting back to where I'm seeing less jobs with pay scales now. I'm like, we're going the wrong way toward transparency. And I know my rules about what I will apply for or won't apply for. And that's one of them. Like, if you're not posting the pay up front, then I am, I'm just not that interested. It could be a waste right. of time and conversation. All right, let's wrap up. I could talk to you about this all day. And thank you for sharing so much of your journey. If you had to leave the ops profession, right? So think about this as an episode for our ops friends, for the people you don't know mm -hmm. yet that may get to learn about you for the first time. What would you say to people who are thinking about getting into partner ops or wondering what's coming for partner ops? Like, what do you think's happening? What do you think is going to happen in the next two to four years? I, it's exploding. So much is happening. I'd be paying attention. So if you want to get into it or you're in it at a level and you would like to be in it more, start mm -hmm. following RevOps leaders. Start follow, uh, obviously start following a lot of partnership leaders. Clearly so, partner ops partner. Yeah, clearly partner ops <laughs> partner. But like, honestly, go <laughs> over Aaron's LinkedIn page and just follow the people he talks to. I did that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, a, that's a huge compliment. I agree with you. Yeah, I think, the, I think the RevOps piece is key. I think you're right. One of my ongoing things that I've realized this past year is that our audience for partner operations, yes, partner leaders need us and they know that they lead us, but they do not have the budget. We don't typically work on their teams. Exactly. And you've already highlighted, your career alone's highlighted. You've been in operations. You've been in sales ops. You've been on the program side all over. They don't really know what to do with us yet. We are yep. still kind of this enigma and it depends on the role. So I think that's great. I think that's great feedback. I think it's great out there. I typically have like a hot topic question that I wanted to ask, but I didn't think of one today. So we're going to skip that. Kim, thank you for coming. Really appreciate it. People can find you on LinkedIn. I would encourage you to reach out to connect with Kim to say Absolutely. hello. She's very, 
personable. Folks, as we wrap up this episode, and Kim's going to get to sit here and be the awkward guest while I do the closeout. This is a lot of fun. As we wrap up, next week, I hope to have another call for you. I'm not sure who it's yet going to be. I'm still kind of getting these ramped up. If you're interested in joining the podcast, telling us about your perspective from a partnership leader, RevOps leader, tech leader, or ops perspective of how do we make more out of partner ops, please reach out. Let us know. Follow our page, Partner Ops Partner. We have a website where we have a job board. We're adding new jobs there. I'm uh, going to be working on building more community out there. We are excited to for this year. I think this is going to be a very interesting year for this work that we do. I will stress it is all volunteer for us. We are doing this because we like each other and we both, I think, got value out of this type of effort from others. So thanks for coming. Thanks for being here today. Until next time, good luck partnering. Now I have to figure out how to turn it off. <laughs>